0: Hey everyone, It is Craig Williams, and I'm sitting here with Jenny Lindnop, and we are doing our final show for the D23 Expo, uh, live from the Diz Unplugged booth, and the Diz booth, and Dreams Unlimited Travel, uh, this is our last show, yay! Oops, I thought I pulled my mic out for a second. That's really getting this off to an awkward start. Uh, I already introduced myself in the first intro. I don't know why exactly. Um, but for those of you who seem uh, seem to have missed the intro, I am Craig Williams. And uh, once again, I am joined by Jenny Lynn Knopp and as i've already said again because apparently today's repeat day uh it's the final day of d23 expo 2015 and our last live show from it oh my gosh it just seems like we got started two days ago
1: uh that might be because we did
0: oh i mean actually we got started far earlier than that because we were setting up our lovely booth that we have here and uh Hopefully one day we'll be able to see more of it because uh, from all I can tell, all there is is a TV, uh, two couches, a plant, a flag, and that's about it.
1: There was a whole lot more going on.
0: There was a whole lot more going on. uh, It got
1: pretty crazy up in here for a while.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, We had people sleeping on the couches. We
1: did. People were camping in our booth. (laughs)
0: Gotta love urban campers. I don't know how urban this is, but yeah, uh, no, it's been a it's been a great time from the booth. Uh, I think we're all going to slightly miss it. I don't want to speak for anyone, but uh, no, it's it's gonna. It was a good time, and uh, I, so I just, much
1: so much happened in just a few short days.
0: It did. It sucks leaving, and uh, we we thought that the surprises were essentially over today, and uh, well, you and I attended one of the bigger panels for today, if not the biggest. I mean, no, no offense to Disney Interactive. Looking at you, Rhino.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> but obviously, the movie Frozen has taken over the world a million times over, and what better way than to finally celebrate at D23 with Frozen Fan demonium
1: a musical celebration a
0: musical celebration and why is it fan demonium because well the first three letters of fan were capitalized and so that's how you know to put a little more emphasis on the the fan, fan. and so yeah i had mixed feelings going into this one because well i was planning on skipping it uh you were i I had received (laughs) press seating for it he said
1: go ahead jl (laughs) yeah i just
0: sent you off i was like there's not going to be that bad of a line just go ahead and do it and then i show up to to sign in for it and they're like oh you're allowed to film and i was like okay i'm i'm gonna stay i'm gonna I'm gonna uh, trudge through it, and I'm, and
1: are you glad you did?
0: I'm actually very glad I did. Uh, if not for any of the surprises, just it was, it was very relaxing. It was a, it was a nice way to kind of close out the panels that I've seen at uh, D23, and, and I mean feel talk- the
1: solidarity in the room amongst all the Disney fans. I
0: didn't sing along. I'm just gonna throw that out there now. Uh, it's it would have screwed up the recording that I had going on. And uh, so, yeah, that means there is video footage. And if you press pause on this, which you can't really because it's live, well, you can, but you shouldn't. You should uh, not. You can already watch two of the videos from uh, the Frozen Fandemonium, but I don't want to ruin the surprise yeah, just if you've seen it that. yet. Yeah, just just keep it in the back of your head. We're going to ruin the surprise here in a little bit uh, because there were a few surprises. The first one being. Jennifer Goodwin was in the audience. Yes,
1: ladies and gentlemen, she was, as well as Charming from Once Upon a Time. They were in the same row.
0: That was also sarcasm because I could really care less about the fact that they were in the room.
1: (gasps) I was excited. Jennifer Goodwin was there, and I got close enough to take a really good picture.
0: I I saw that picture.
1: Tweeted out on the Diz feed, so if you're not following us on Twitter, you should be.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. We are
1: at the Diz on Twitter.
0: And remember, whenever you follow the Diz on Twitter, you're sure to get the best uh, shots of the back of people's heads whenever uh, we see celebrities, because we're too afraid to see them from the front.
1: You know what, though? I got a good side view of Jennifer Goodwin.
0: Good. I'm glad you did. Not Um, the
1: back of her head.
0: So, do we want to actually jump into this and uh, get going on it?
1: I don't see why not. The people are waiting. Are they waiting? They are. Okay. Out there.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, essentially, Frozen Fandemonium, uh was premised as a setup with Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez, the songwriting husband and wife duo behind, well, Frozen. The uh,
1: genius behind the killer soundtrack of the movie.
0: Yes. Uh, other things like Finding Nemo the Musical out at Animal Kingdom, uh, the Book of Mormon, and among many, many more things. And... Uh, so it's, it is kind of a big deal. And two years ago at the D23 Expo, that's the first time Adina Menzel came out on stage and sang it. So it is really fitting that two years later, uh, they were able to come back and kind of go through and not only share some of, the, uh, some of the reasons behind why the songs ended up how they did, but then also... Also,
1: some of the reasons why they didn't end up... <laughs> the, the things that were cut, the things, the way that the the story had changed for Frozen and how the music had to evolve along with that.
0: Oh yeah, and we got to hear lots of uh, interesting demos. I was going to say great demos, but...
1: Interesting is a better word.
0: Interesting is a much better word. Uh, not to say anything bad, but uh, to get to pure genius, sometimes you have to uh, trudge through some sludge mm-hmm. on the way there. And uh, well let's uh jump right into it I don't I apologize neither one of us were really taking notes besides JL live tweeting so we're probably going to miss a few things along the way um, I know the one thing you uh, tweeted out there was that the musical number developed for Hans's character ended up being dropped because of the revealing his villain side too early
1: it was an interesting story they said they had this whole song where Hans sang and it was like a little bit of a um, double meaning the whole way through where you could listen to the song and on the one hand it would sound like he was being uh very taken with anna and and complimenting her but by the uh, you know after you've seen the movie and you know how he was you could go back and hear the song and kind of see how he was actually kind of backhanding her with the lyrics of the song and for that reason it they felt like it also revealed his villainous side a little bit too early in the movie so that song was cut
0: it was very snappy it was very very snappy That's all I have to say about that. Uh, And then, of course, who doesn't love the trolls?
1: They had a lot to say about the trolls.
0: They did have a lot to say. Apparently,
1: the trolls went through a few different versions. The first was uh, they had more of a very hippie-hairy feel to them. And um, there was a song uh, called Heart Over Head, and it was all about the, you know... um, you know, feel the love and the energy type of a song that got scrapped and you know thrown by the wayside because they didn't want the trolls to take on that that form. And um, then there was another song that um, that they had proposed for the trolls that was all about taking the uh, opportunity to walk in someone else's shoes. And there was a lot of play on that concept you know bunions and planter warts entered the song lyrics and um for that reason that song was also cut they felt like that was a little bit too ew yeah it
0: was bizarre i I think the title if i can remember it correctly it was like trying on each other's shoes something along
1: those lines
0: it was actually a really funny song um I, i might Prefer it to Fixer Upper. That's <laughs> definitely the weakest song in the movie. Um, but
1: when they played it, um, I believe one of the, the one of the directors of the film came back and asked them after that song had been presented, "How did we get here?"
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Where we're talking about Bunions and Plantar Warts. So that's a good point. That one had to be cut away.
0: Yeah, and that led in, of course, to the trolls with Fixer Upper, and
1: that ended up being the winner.
0: And uh, so. Kristen Anderson-Lopez and Bobby Lopez have two daughters, and they are both very talented at singing. In fact, both of the daughters had cameo voices in the movie, and uh, the youngest daughter ended up actually being one of the trolls and had one of the better lines of it, mm-hmm. so uh, it it was cool. They brought her out on stage so that way they could kind of play the demo, and then she could sing along with it. And actually, it was a whole sing along with the entire auditorium. Mm-hmm. So that was it was pretty neat. But um, I don't think a lot of people were left feeling super impressed at that point, so...
1: Fixer Upper isn't one of their more popular songs on the soundtrack. And it's I'm, a bit harder to sing.
0: And I'm glad that they started off with that song because then it got going from there because, well, they went into the development of Do You Want to Build a Snowman? They and did.
1: And with that, Kristen Bell made her entrance onto the stage and everyone went crazy
0: I was actually I mean we've seen so many stars this weekend uh, especially I have since I've been to all the big events and uh, I'm paying dramatically for that with my lack of sleep and energy anymore but I, I was actually a little starstruck whenever she came out she is a beautiful woman and she's just always so smiley and happy and
1: <laughs> not well, only that but she has amazing talent I mean it's it's one thing to be able to perform something and you do it with the recording because you can always do it over, you can improve the parts where you messed up. She performed, do you want to build a snowman live? And it was basically flawless. Oh. I mean, it was um, it was astounding.
0: Yeah, and the great part is right before they even played that and before they introduced her, they actually played the first demo of Do You Want to Build a Snowman? And uh, they started with the, the youngest version of Anna for that. And whenever they were doing the demo, they used their very young daughter to try to do that one too. And I, I actually, I'm going to have to put this video up as well because it... Kristen Anderson or Kristen Anderson Lopez's face during this was just like oh (laughs) because it was awful it was it was like the kids bop gone wrong
1: it was well they explained that they yeah like you said they tried to use their youngest daughter for the very first demo but she was bare. she hadn't even turned quite three yet yeah, and so she couldn't get all of the lyrics and then she didn't exactly hit all of the notes either it was very very cute because of the young voice but she didn't quite get it so then they um decided that they needed to up it a little bit and they brought in was it was her older daughter correct yep that and her older daughter was the one who ended up actually doing the demo for the song
0: and then Brittany lee one of the uh one of the directors of the film uh actually she had a talented daughter that ended up being the uh middle version of elsa in the song you mean so anna Anna, sorry my bad anna don't, don't flame me out there. It's an honest <laughs> mistake. Uh, so they brought her out as well, too. And then Kristen Bell was announced. And uh, that was the first time all three of them have ever performed this song on stage together. So it,
1: it was It was pretty good. cool. It was cool to see the progression of the, the performers there in the one song.
0: Yeah, and uh, Kristen was just a delight the entire time speaking. And uh, the one quote that left you impressed and also left me impressed was about how she was happy to be the first real Disney princess that had that goofy side to her.
1: That's right. And the reason why she said that was because she felt like when she was growing up, you know, she watched all the Disney films and loved all the Disney princesses, but she didn't feel like she related very strongly to any of them because they were all graceful and always said the right thing at the right time and so on and so forth. And she always felt like she was so clumsy and goofy. And so A realization of her dream was to be able to take this role and create a Disney princess that actually had a little bit of goofiness to her.
0: Exactly. But also because of uh, her character in the movie, she also needed that breakthrough song kind of similar. They referenced to The Little Mermaid with Part of Your World being Ariel's real breakthrough song. And uh, Anna's actually went through a little bit of changes on the way to get to from the first time for it. Ah, for the first time in forever. And uh, so we got to hear uh, a demo from We Know Better. And then Mm -hmm. we actually got to hear her sing a little bit of the other one, The Spare. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: then that ended up, that one was actually pretty cool too. I I understand why it was cut, but then that led into uh, her singing for the first time in forever with uh, Kristen doing the Elsa part of it. And another just standout performance.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was And I believe they were saying that a lot of the... Or some of the songs that were cut are found on a...
0: On the two-set CD. Two-CD set... Yes, the two CD deluxe edition set on the back half, they have a lot of demos. And some of the ones that we got to hear uh, were on that, and some of them were exclusives for us, too. And if I'm
1: remembering correctly, the We Know Better was a song that was between Anna and Elsa and their discussion of what a princess should be. Exactly. And The Air and The Spare, um, which was shortened to The Spare, was all about... um, Anna's secondary role in the kingdom. How you know Elsa was the the primary one that got attention, and she was just kind of there in the shadows.
0: Yeah, and uh, Kristen Bell's great and everything, but we had to move on away, and uh, that led us to Olaf. And uh, so there was a little trepidation going into this because uh, yesterday at the live action film, whenever they got to Beauty and the Beast, uh, Josh Gad was expected to be here, and unfortunately, he wasn't. So uh there was basically no chance that he would be at this one. So uh you take that chance. But uh first whenever we were talking about Olaf, we got to hear uh the one demo song Hot Hot Ice, which
1: was terrible.
0: It was terrible. It had this Spanish
1: It was it (laughs) was very Yes. It was it was very um salsay. Yeah.
0: And uh but
1: Picture Olaf in a sombrero and um, shaking maracas, and you get the idea.
0: It, it was terrible. And that led into uh, coming up with In Summer, and Bobby Lopez was about to sing it, but then they surprised us and said, well, who better to sing it than Josh Gad? Josh
1: Gad, he took the stage, and again, everyone went nuts.
0: Oh, yeah, and uh, another, just like Kristen Bell, he came out on stage and he killed it. Uh, both of them had about like one or two slip-ups. You could tell that they were re- They were literally rehearsing probably right before and haven't done this in quite some time, uh, singing these songs all together like that. Well, Josh
1: also had a little bit of a distraction because Olaf actually joined him on the stage. Yeah,
0: that was... He didn't seem to like theme park version of Olaf from what I could, (laughs) uh, from how I was reading the room, but another great performance. And uh, so then after that, that left one song left, really. And of course, that's Let It Go. But. Before that, we heard about the song before Let It Go that really was kind of, uh, uh, had that, kind of, well, it, the song was called Cool With Me and it was an Anna and Elsa duet that ended with uh, Elsa.
1: Freezing Anna's heart. Exactly. And it was a little bit dramatic and upsetting. So that one ended up having to go by the wayside. And um, then they talked about how Let It Go ended up being its replacement how it was written on a picnic table in Prospect Park and the whole process that they went through of um, imagining how it would go, standing up and doing um, the motions of how Elsa would be building her castle as the song progressed.
0: Yeah, and we even uh, went so far as then to get the backstory and behind how they dropped off the demo tape to John Lasseter and he was listening to it and he was standing up and doing all those movements and it was just it was it, it was a cool story it was a cool story and uh of course Dina Menzel was not on hand to actually sing the song but a lot of people that had a hand in the movie were all around the room including John Lasseter as well and the directors of the film and then everyone who was already on stage before so
1: they everyone, all took the stage yep. And led the entire room in a sing-along of Let It Go. And it was a pretty moving moment, I think. And then we reached the end, and there was this whole release of snow from the ceiling. And Olaf and Elsa were over in the corner doing all of their interpretive dance. And
0: um, yeah, that, that <laughs> it did was a happen. good time. Yeah, no, it, was, it ended up being a really good event. And uh, as much as I still dislike Frozen... It was a good one. It, <laughs> was, it was it was pretty good. So uh, that is everything we have to really say about Frozen Fandemonium. But,
1: Fandemonium. Before, Fandemonium,
0: but before you go, uh, give me your one highlight. What was your favorite thing that you experienced this weekend?
1: From the whole weekend? Yes. Nothing can top for me this weekend or possibly the entirety of my life. Um, being able to go up on stage put a muppet on my hand and be instructed in puppeteering by Kermit the frog himself Nothing. Nothing I, can top that.
0: I know. I I was
1: 3 years old again and just you know, Kermie, I love you Kermie. I it was it was a moment.
0: I was ready to push you over and go up on stage <laughs> myself. But that probably would have looked really really mean.
1: It it would have it wouldn't have gone over well.
0: Wow. Well, thank you very much, JL, for all of your uh, hard work this weekend and bringing all the coverage. I hope everyone enjoyed you in it. but uh, I hope so, too. But that's not over for us for this show. I'm hoping that I can get Michael's attention. Would you like
1: me to go get Michael? Yeah, go ahead
0: and go get Michael's attention because he is actually the only other person who uh, was part of a panel today. So, uh, and... I can, while he's grabbing his notes and getting ready here, I can already say he was part of the Destination D recap panel um, that took place just a little while ago and uh, so for those of you who don't know destination d was the uh, d- d23 event that happened in walt disney world uh, back in november oh my gosh it seems a lot longer ago than that so for everyone on the west coast who didn't have the opportunity to attend that event they were actually given a little glimpse of the best of um, from all of that event over here, which I don't quite agree that's fair because we don't get a recap and a, a best of the D23 events, the Expos, in Florida every year. No, you don't because you don't get the Expos out there. Well, so how <laughs> oh, was well. the event?
2: It was fine. It, it's, it's fun to, to learn about that other kingdom that, you know, but, and, and they just couldn't improve on the first one. But, uh, but it was actually two... Two presentations from Destination D and one, and the first one was from Dave Smith, and it was Walt Disney World, the way they were, and you know, there's not really a whole lot to say about it because he relied heavily on some fantastic vintage photographs of Disney World. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he talked a little about what Disney World was like it, before it was Disney World. Uh, you know, 1971, he said, uh, Orlando was just a sleepy little town that you drove through on your way to Miami. He said there was nothing there but orange groves. I think Marietta was the only industry mm-hmm. there at the time. Uh, f- from Los Angeles, you couldn't even fly directly there. You had to go through Tampa or Miami and then fly, o- fly up to there. Uh, the airport in Orlando was actually just the eastern part of a runway at, at, um, at McCoy Air Force Base, which explains why your luggage tag has those initials on it. MCO. Yeah, and the, and the um, terminal was a Quonset hut. And then, um, and he said, talked about how, like in 1965, you know, Walt Disney was starting to buy up land. And actually, the day the 1964 World's Fair opened is the day Walt bought the first piece of property in Orlando. And, but in 65, all these articles started coming up in all the Florida papers about who's buying all this land. And Walt was having a press conference at Disneyland for some other event. And a um, reporter for Orlando paper, Emily Bavar, came to the studios and she was starting to have her suspicions. And she went up to Walt and said, are you the one who is buying up all the property? And Walt said, oh, no. And then he proceeded to give her all these facts and figures about Central Florida. Well, she thought, well, why would Walt know all of this about Central Florida? So she surmised definitely it was Disney. They did did give a courtesy notification to Walt when she got back and went to her editor and said, I'm running with this story. The editor did contact Walt, Dave didn't say this but, but it is part of the story, and said, this is what we're doing and they ran with the headline that said we surmise the mystery is Disney, but Walt had already set up the press conference with the governor and other luminaries and they made the official announcement that indeed it was disney purchasing the property and what 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 attracted him to that area besides its location was when he saw bay lake with the island in the middle he found it to be totally charming and that's why he started purchasing that property and then walt passed away just a short time later and roy took over and the rest of the presentation was just really about highlights and uh, on, on what was finished first and it was showed various stages of construction of Disney World Magic Kingdom you saw the open pits that would become the utilidors okay yeah and things like that so it was really very good then he went through the whole list of extinct attractions and, and as everybody went on, oh, and then when he would talk about uh, what replaced them ultimately, he, uh, you know, we, the only one where there wasn't a really enthusiastic response was, uh, was the um, Stitch yeah <laughs> and all that Well, it's awful. yeah, uh, there's no reason for it to be, yeah and, and so that was it, so it was great, so it was a very visual presentation. Yeah. the second half was from Imagineer Jason Grant, and his was called "Retro Rewind.": Yeah. And, and he called a Retro Re-Rewind because it was the same presentation over again. And he talked about how they like to hide, like, Easter eggs. You know, like when you watch a DVD or Blu-ray, there's always there's Easter eggs in some okay. of the films. Well, the Imagineers hide Easter eggs or tributes to past attractions in the, the current attractions. And so he went through what that what that was, gave some examples, talked about how, just like in films, there's the long shot, you know, the distant shot, then you move in for the medium shot, and then you have the close-up, or the short shot, that's sort of the payoff. So, to give you an example, um, in Town Square, we have the theater, where it's that, the Mickey's Magic show now, there's a mailroom that you see, the theater mailroom, and the long shot is the whole mailroom with the desks, and you see, uh, you know, packages and mail and things like that. Well, you know, the short shot then is you see the theater mailbox, and you, there's letters and all that in all the little, um, little slots and things like that in the theater mailbox. Well, the close-up, and this is the e- the close-up are. The individual envelopes that are in there, all addressed and all stamped. The Easter egg is that on the stamps there are images of all the extinct attractions at um, Disney World. So uh, in the Magic Kingdom, I remember that one now. Yeah. yeah. And so he went through and really talked about that. About the long meet, about the Easter eggs that are in the rehearsal room um, of that attraction. Went to Storybook Circus. And we talked about the Barnstormer and, and uh, again, the various Easter eggs there. There's salutes to Saludos Amigos in there. Uh, they, why they used Humphrey Bear as a logo. Because in the shorts, Humphrey Bear, wh- wh- his appetite couldn't be satisfied. So that's why his logo is there for the, um, for the candy. And, and it just went on from there. The, one of the, the fun one is a shun, sun, uh, Sunshine Tree Terrace. You know, there's the Orange Bird, and the Orange Bird. You know, um, you know, he left and came back again. When they, re- they but because they were moving the Sunshine Tree Terrace to a new location, they had to make the um, the um, the poster for it more generic. And because the joke is, it moved east and then, and, in, and then in two years it's going to move east again and The Orange Bird's going to take over the castle. Uh-huh. But they showed the new poster and they said, what attraction poster does this look like? Because it pays homage to an attraction at Disneyland. And what it turned out was it's our Alice in Wonderland attraction poster. So there's a... Um, because when you look at the orange bird, Sunshine She Terrace poster, there's the orange bird in the middle, and then there's sort of this swirling that comes down, and there's like oh, little yeah. these dole whips there. If you look at the Alice in Wonderland attraction poster, Alice is in the center, and there's a swirling as if she's falling, uh, going through the, like the rabbit hole, and then you, there's, there's flowers, and oh, yeah. there's characters, yeah. and all that. It's the same exact layout.
0: Yeah, I, did, I guess I, didn't, I don't remember that one from whenever we went there, but maybe I, uh, maybe my memory is just awful, or I drifted off at some point or something. Who knows?
2: And then, um, and then he said it wouldn't be a Destination D event um, or an Imagineering event if they didn't have something about Horizons in there. So for those of you who remember Horizons, you could choose your own destination. He showed the, um, the, the video of the Mesa Verde. Option and what was interesting about that is you can see how much uh, the technology of video has has come since um, Horizon went away. We got to see all three during ours, though. Yeah, we only so. got to see one. I'm sorry. I know, but we have a
0: whole expo. That's true. That's <laughs> that's a very good point. It's that, uh,
2: coming to an end.
0: Yes, it is. Any other uh, big highlights from it, or is that yeah, about that it? That was it. Good. That was the
2: presentation.
0: Good. Well, um, I, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I asked Jenny Lynn the same thing. So, what was your favorite standout thing of the entire event?
2: Wow. You know, I think my favorite thing was um, it happened today. I came in a little early when there weren't any, uh, you know, guests on the floor, and went around some of the some of the um, exhibits, and went into the um, the Imagineering theme parks and yes. resorts one. And I, if you listen to the Disneyland show, you know I'm very I've been very skeptical of the whole Pandora section of Animal Kingdom. That's my favorite park in Orlando and, you know, looking at the model and what I heard in theme parks and resorts presentation and looking at the, what they've set up, the maquettes and posters and things like that totally changed my mind.
0: Yeah, no, it was um, very impressive. And then
2: there. when of course who walks in but Joe Rody when I'm in there and he and I start to chat and we talk a little more about it and the land and what what it's all about. I mean, I'm I'm really now excited to see this land. I know. It's I got to have not as good of an experience
0: in there with Joe Rody I mean, He and I just took a picture together and I said hi and complimented him on his work And I was still kind of getting over the fact that John Lasseter had been standing right beside me in there and that totally freaks me out But no, that's I'm glad to hear that. That's that's really good. What's Uh, been
2: the highlight for you?
0: Oh, what's been the highlight for me? Um, Probably yesterday seeing Harrison Ford. (laughs) I would say that was uh, That was a a one-of-a-kind type thing. I don't know.
2: Well, that would explain the whip. You have today. Oh
0: yes, of course. I always walk around <laughs> with it. I know everything about the live-action panel yesterday was just—it was magical. Between all the great movies and celebrities that we got to see, and then uh, ending off with that Harrison Ford debut, and then also getting uh, to have the first opportunity to hear about the expansion coming—the Star Wars expansion coming to Disneyland and and Hollywood Studios. I mean, that's that's a hard moment to to pass up to know that we were there in that exact time whenever that happened uh i i really i always treasure moments like that so yeah. i i'm definitely going to be having that one in the back of my head for the longest time especially while i have that exclusive star wars poster that they gave us hanging up in my office It always mm-hmm. just remind me of that time but i would say that's probably it but then again the silly symphonies concert today was also pretty it special was. it was it just so many so many good things that happened today it's uh it's really hard to, uh put a pinpoint on what was the best, and, uh, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that uh, also one of the greatest parts was just getting to spend time with uh, all the other Diz team here and, you know, manning this booth and meeting a lot of great people that stopped by through. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. definitely an experience I didn't think I was ever going to have, never never even imagined it going to be possible, but uh, I... You know, we, we put out all this great content for people, and did all these live shows, and have a ton of videos and photos going up. And I just, I really hope that everyone enjoyed it. So. Oh,
2: I'm sure they did. I've been here getting a lot of good um, comments on it.
0: Good, but uh, that is going to do it for our final broadcast from yeah. the D23 Expo. And
2: so see you in two years.
0: Yes, we will be back in two <laughs> years. And on behalf of uh, Rhino and Tom and everyone else that we've had on the show, uh, I'm just going to speak for them because they didn't really do anything in the evening to warrant being on yeah i'm looking at you rhino uh but we uh they send their love and wishes and kindness and yes we will be back with more d23 coverage uh during the next event that happens around but uh until then thank you all for watching and listening and we'll see you later come to the next expo yes come to the next expo <laughs> see ya
2: bye